male and female in his own image. And if you look at the text in verses 24 and 25 and 26, you end up finding that he actually says it. Let us make man in our own image. And that's not a plural God. That's the Father, Son, and Spirit. There is, is this, this there, we're made a lot like God. In fact, in the book of Psalms, it says we're sons of God that way. You know, even though I know we love pets and I've got two cats and a dog, used to have a bird and used to have fish, lots of other things we've had. But I can tell you, if they're going to be in heaven, it's only by God's grace, but it's not because Jesus died for them. We're the apex of his creation. We are very good. When he renews us in Christ, in that knowledge of the way we first were. Those of you that know the children's catechism, when God made uh, Adam and Eve, he made them uh, two H's. He made them holy and... Oh, man. This is one of the earliest ones that taught the kids because they could, they could mumble these words out. Holy and happy. When God made us holy and happy. Wouldn't it be great if your spouse was holy and happy? Wouldn't it be great if your children were holy and happy? Wouldn't it be great if your neighbors were holy and happy? Wouldn't it be really great if the person in the mirror was holy and happy? You see, when God made Adam and Eve, they were sinless. There was no guile. They were able to even be unclothed and there was no shame. And it wasn't because there wasn't anybody to report on it or any cell phone to take a picture of them. It was because there was no shame. There was no sin. There was no wrongdoing. He had made them in his image. And they were complete. God made Adam first. Then he made Eve from the rib. And together they were very good. And he said the family unit is established. It's so, so simple. When you're renewed in this knowledge, what does that tell you? Just think for just a moment. Hmm. Life is a lot simpler. We have made it so complex. We've made life so difficult. When we're in Christ, behold, everything is made new. We have a new sense of why we're here. We're renewed, or as I said, we're kind of rebooted. Okay, and, and it's in the knowledge of our creator. It's the way it should be, the way the original design was, rather than to keep doing whatever seems right in our own eyes, which has been mirrored throughout the text of Scripture over and over again, uh, personified, or, or literally, the Judges chapter 21, verse 25 sums it up. The people did what was right in their own eyes. Now, having said that, that's the first point of trying to, lay, to nail this down for all of us, is that uh, this enlightenment comes that we are personally renewed in the knowledge of what God had originally set up. Secondly, there is a new placement. When you go to the next verse there in chapter 3, uh, and we're looking at verse 10, he says, And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator. After establishing that point, that, that things are rebooted, then he says, Here... I just want to stop there. Where? Here. Okay, it's a location. And that's why I say there's a new placement. There is a new, when you get these new clothes on, when you have this new self, there is, it's almost like you're teleported or you're transported into a new place. This new, posi new, new placement, uh, you're positionally relocated into what? I want to be able to show it to you in a minute, moment. So in verse 11, he says, in this place or here, there is no more these things. Now, if you're following along with those things, um, 
you know, I don't know which one uh, you're going to relate to the most, but w when you look here, there is no more focus on, I'm going to read, them, read the list for us, um, verse, verse 10 or 11. Here there is no more Greek and Jew, okay? And then he says, here there is no more circumcised and uncircumcised. And then he says, here there is no more barbarian. Here there is no more Scythian. Here, there is no more slave. Here, there is no more free. And then he says, but what is here is Christ. And we'll touch on that in a moment. I wanted to think about this for a moment. Paul uses a special language in, with this location in mind. When you're in this new placement, there is an erasing of some of the things that seem to be so significant, the categories that, that are even in our faces today. Let me just run through them, if you will. There's the first one. There's no more focus on your heritage. And that particular one, it starts with the Jews. If you were a Jew, you tend to focus on that. Sometimes uh, you're super proud of it, and I guess unless you have to wear a star sewn onto your outfit. And maybe even then, some of them wore that proudly too. To be a Jew was to focus on your heritage. You are a descendant of... Jesus didn't have any children. Abraham. Okay, you guys make sure we get this right. Uh, children of Abraham. Okay, so the first one was there's no more focus on your heritage. Even if you're a child of Abraham, you're not going to be focusing on that. You're not going to be boasting on that. Secondly, he says, no more focus on your religious upbringing. Because the next one there, if it's uh, uh, basically or in that first one, uh, there's no more Jew nor Greek. Okay, the, the, the Greek is the Gentile one. Uh, it, is, it is somebody that is a, um, you know, somebody that is not a Jew. It's everybody else. So it's not focusing on if you're an immigrant or if you've got a foreign heritage. Okay, and so in that particular one, the first focus is are you proud of being a, a child of Abraham? The second one, there's no more focus on having to say, well, I'm from this continent or I'm from that or I'm from over this part of America and I, and I'm, or I'm from the south or I'm from this. You see what I'm saying? In, in this place, nobody cares whether you have this, this status of being from that place. Third, there is a focus, uh, if, if we look at that text in verse 11, he says, circumcised and uncircumcised. This one was kind of interesting to me. Um, it was, is really, there was no more focus on your religious upbringing. Uh, I often simplify it when I'm reading it, the public reading of scripture for folks in 2021. Uh, you know, it, I mean, there's, there's no synagogues around here, but the, the picture there is that if you grew up and you had the original, if you had a Jewish upbringing, you were familiar with the Old Testament Bible. You knew that, that if somebody said that's what Moses said, you probably had heard it in your lifetime. And I can also tell you that if you were not a Jew, if you were part of the uncircumcised, which were the non-Jewish, or you weren't a part of the covenant, if somebody said to you, this is what Moses said, you probably didn't even know who Moses was. Okay, so the big difference about the, the Jew or the circumcised and the uncircumcised is about your religious upbringing. And many people in 2021 don't have very much of a religious upbringing, so you're pretty unfamiliar not only with the Old Testament, but you're even unfamiliar with the New Testament. In our class today, we were talking about how postmodernism is, is, is because the reason why we have that zeitgeist today is because we took prayer and Bible reading out of the schools. 
The children coming up today don't even know the Ten Commandments. They don't even know them as ten suggestions. And it's very, very sad that folks have this kind of upbringing where they don't have the truth of God even, even exposed to them. They're not a part of the covenant community. So the first one, it's not focused on your heritage. Then the second grouping is you're not focused on your religious upbringing. There's also no more focus, thirdly, on your citizen status. Okay, and this is, I found this one kind of interesting in verse 11. After he talks about the circumcised, then he talks about the barbarian. Now, the barbarian to us today is somebody that is uh, uncouth, somebody that has no, um, no kind of manners. You know, you're, you're looking at somebody that's, uh, that does everything not only awkward, but they, they don't have any real order in their life. Or what they do looks like it's really crazy. Now, sometimes if you're a missionary, you go to a different culture, you may actually feel like that. But they're going to be the ones looking at you like you're the strange one. Okay, because they have a pattern on some of what they're doing. But in this particular instance, it's written from the standpoint of, of the people in Asia. And, he, and the people in Asia are familiar with their turf in Turkey. But when you're outside of this, if you're outside of that Roman Empire, if you're way out there up in, in, in Northern Europe and stuff like that, you guys are barbaric. You don't know our ways. And so when he says here, it's your citizen status, uh, if, you, if you're a foreigner or whether you're one of us, it's kind of like saying today, are you a citizen or are you, uh, are you from somewhere else? You don't have citizenship. Now, the next focus was that, that's dismissed, uh, as we said, is about the, the Scythians. Uh, they were the ones, that, when I was looking through that, uh, they were the ones that don't have any, any couth at all. You know, you're not even sure if, if, they, if they do hygiene and all that kind of stuff. Because when you get to down to this particular passage, the way that the people view these Scythians are, man, you don't want to go and do a vacation with them. Okay. And I mean, then, you know, you don't want them as your neighbors is the way it's set up. And then the last part here, he says, they're, they're, um, when, you're, when you're looking here, slave or free. And the focus here is whether you have independence or not. Are you able to do what you want to do? Or is your day told to you what you're going to do? And then when you look at this one, you know, are you at liberty to come and go as you please? Are you at liberty to pursue happiness, as it says in the Declaration of Independence here? Uh, are you, or, or do you have to do somebody else's agenda? You know, do you have to lock down and do whatever you're told to do? Okay, and this is kind of an interesting thing here, is that, you know, they're, they're concerned about whether you're restricted or whether you're, you have looser restrictions. Now, the focus on these particular lists is... The word not. This is what kind of surprised me. When you are in this new position here, you know, when you have that new, new uh, self put on, you're in a new position, and, and, and he says, Those, these things do not matter anymore. Can you believe that today? We have riots going on. We have people immediately, at least on the press, saying these people are against these people. And if you end up making an argument on either side, you're either accused of being a racist or you're accused of being blind. I mean, there's all this nasty, difficult stuff. It's to the point now that I imagine your neighborhoods like mine, you're not even allowed to even put up a political sign. In America, why? Because all these things matter. It gets to a point that you can't even have a relationship or, or as they said, and some of you have actually told me, when you have your holiday meals, you're not allowed to talk about religion or politics. 
They're just off limits anymore. Why? Because they matter so much that if you bring them up, everybody gets to fighting and, and you can't get there. And the, the interesting thing is when in this new position, and this is what I wanted you to just let it sink in, that this new position is being in Christ. When you are in Christ and you're connected, having been united to him, which is the principle that he's been teaching them for all those, uh, the months that he was there, and now he's writing to them about it. He says, when you are in this new position and, and all things have become new, you don't have to get hung up on whether somebody is, is educated or not educated. Somebody is rich or somebody is poor. You don't have to worry about whether they got darker skin or lighter skin. You don't have to worry about those things in Christ. And it matches up with what happens when we get to heaven, where that picture is, my mentor, uh, Bob Baxter, used to say, and he quoted at every communion, that one day the people will come from the north and from the south and from the east and the west, and they will sit at the table together. You see, it doesn't matter if you're from the north or the south or the east or the west. Because every nation, every tongue, and every tribe can be represented. But if you're in Christ, all of these accusations of, of uh, division... You know, which, which today's world, it, it really should be favoritism and unfavoritism. Because that's really what it boils down to. If you got the favorite status, then you're happy. And if you got the unfavored status, you're not happy. And, and you don't want somebody else trying to take that favorite status away from you, right? I mean, it's, it's no different than when you were first dating. You know, if, if you were trying to date this person and they were going to say, well, let me pick between you and you and you. You know you definitely want to get, be the best of the three. But, but the point is, no, you don't want to be the best of the three. You want to be the one and only. Okay, when you're in Christ, these other things are not mattering. You don't have to compete because if you have that union, then you're a part of the body of Christ just like the Scythian, just like the barbarian, just like the circumcised, just like the uncircumcised. Do you see? That in Christ, those matters nothing because they're, they're, they're removed because it's not about the outside. It's about what God's done on the inside to change the heart. The last point that I want to make is, is, the, is the culmination that comes together where he says that uh, this is so profound. It is, is contrary to all the divisions that are being advanced that Christ in you and you in Christ. And that's why if you look at that famous, uh, that verse in verse 11 at the end, uh, he says, but Christ, Christos, and then the, the Greek word is panta, it's all. But Christ is panta and in panta. Now, I don't know how to really explain it in, in our language. What does it mean for Christ is all and in all? I can help you understand it a little bit like this. The union with Christ is that Christ is already in the body of Christ. And if you're in the body of Christ, then it's all about Christ, it's his body. Okay, and therefore, if it's, if it's Christ's body that you have been brought into, then Christ is also in you. And if you think of uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, another one of the prison epistles, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, I'm united to Christ in his death. He took my sins. And then he says, nevertheless, I live. Okay, because I've been raised with Christ, which is Colossians 3, 1, that, that I've been raised with Christ. Now I live, but I live the life that I now live. I live by the faith 
Okay, and when you're, when you're understanding this, I live by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, and I think I got it right there. And I live, I, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. Now, this is what it means to have put on these new clothes, that Christ is now living in me. And so now when you get up in the morning, is it all about you? Okay, this is supposed to be a good application. Is, is your agenda all about your agenda? You know, is it really your checkbook or is it really your credit card? Is it really your car? Is it really your body? Hmm. Pastor, you've gone to Medellin. I want my stuff. I want possession. I want ownership. I want to be able to do all these things. Listen, I can quote you lots of verses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Don't you know that even your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? It's not yours. It's been bought with a price. He died on the cross. He paid for your sins. Therefore, he says, glorify God with that, what he's given you, with your body. The whole point I'm trying to get here is that when Christ is all, then what is everything else? Well, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, That's where our priority ought to be. He says, when you put your mind on things above and not on the earth, he often gives you all these kind of things on the earth anyway, because he said, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. But remember, as we wrap up the sermon, you got the point. The apostle Paul is writing to believers and he's trying to get them to be overwhelmed and amazed that the union with Christ changes everything, that you can put off that old way that you used to live. You used to be in that and now you're in this. You have put on this way of righteousness. It is not, as Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and and my burden is light. If you understand the way of Jesus, even if it includes struggling, and it does, even our brother missionary Roger stood here and said, hey, I didn't want cancer. I guess you didn't want it. I assumed that you didn't want it, and yet I got it. And what do you do with it? Well, it's really interesting. His weakness has caused us to be praying for him. His weakness has opened up new doors. His weakness, because he got a dose of mortality, changed his wife's direction. His weakness is now going to be now equipping other people to go where they used to be. It's really interesting how God can work things together because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Why? Because his kingdom is what's coming, not yours. And that's why he taught us to pray that way. As we go to the Lord in prayer in a moment, I do want to challenge you that if you're here today, do not mix up the whole concept of, well, I'm just going to get rid of those bad vices and I'm just going to try to do better. I'm going to, it's going to be the new me. I'm not going to lie to everybody like I used to. Isn't that nice? You're just lying to yourself. Okay, the whole point is, you can't do those things that are righteous without his help. And the life that I now live, if you bring that verse back up in Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God. In other words, the Son of God is in me, and because he's in me, faith is actually, it moves to, to, to steer me. It moves to guide me. It moves to inform me. It causes me to understand. It gives me a sense of purpose. And when you get that, wow, the old things have passed away, and this is what he's given me to do. You may have some setbacks and difficulties in your life. 
I'm almost sure you do. But if you're united to Christ, there's nothing that can separate you. Nothing. There's no government worker that can take you away. There's, no some, there's nobody, no judge that can separate you from the love of Christ. There's no spouse that can separate you from the love of Christ. There is no neighbor that can separate you from the love of Christ. No one. Read John chapter 6. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, as we, as we take this text in, I don't know if many of us really do believe that Jesus is all that we, we haven't quite fully apprehended what that means. That, that there's, we're setting our affection on things above where Christ is because what matters is what Christ has communicated. Lord, the world would be li- looking in and even listening to this prayer today and say, that guy's a nut, he's a loon, he's crazy. He's wanting to give away everything because of his religion, because of his concept of God or because of something this book says. Lord, I pray that people will meet Jesus because meeting Jesus is wonderful, but being united to Christ is amazing. Lord, I pray that you will extend that forgiveness of sins, that that we might understand truly what these epistles have, have said collectively, that we are saved by grace. It's not of works. It's a gift of God. Lord, we thank you that you have extended that gift to people like us, that we can see that Jesus went to the cross while we were yet dead in sins and trespasses, while we were in the old old self. And because of regeneration, God, you've given us this new path for living, and it's beautiful. And we'll look at these clothes even more next week. But Lord, I pray that we might dwell on that fact that you are all, and you're in each one of us if we're in Christ. In Jesus' name, I give thanks. Amen.